Hello, everybody. It's your old friends at Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football Podcast. Woo! Delayed reaction, but we. <laughs> we're still in lockdown, lads. It's great. And not only that, we're also approaching an interlull, which has already happened at time of recording. And let me just say, lads, the lull really doesn't stop here. Christ. <laughs> it's it's the darkest yeah. of days. Because we're like a day removed from like losing 3-0 to England in what is perhaps like like quite literally a surrendering. <laughs> it's just like, well, John Egan's off. There's actually no point going forward. Just regulation 3-0 win and just leave us alone <laughs> it's really fucking terrible it's a horrendous game let's not talk about it yeah that's that's too much talking about it to be fair i actually quite agree on that and um, what we are going to do though is we are going to uh, cast our minds back to the uh, previous week of premier league action talk about the matches that happened uh, ranging from the tedium to the more interesting ones and uh, everything in between so, guys, uh, let's jump in, lads, with, uh, oh, well, let's not, actually. Uh, the first name, game I have on my list here is a nil-all draw between Brighton and Burnley. So, moving on then to uh, West Brom, nil, Spurs, one. Yeah, moving on then to, uh, to, moving on to the Hang Sandwich Derby. Right, here's a match we can talk about, lads. <laughs> West, West Ham won Fulham nil. Um, a tale of hubris. Can we talk about say. it? Yeah, some things happen. The only thing I remember about us talking about this match was us coming up with the name the Ham Sandwich Derby. Yes, and I'm quite proud of that, to be honest. I really am. I think that's one of our crowning achievements on this podcast. The Hang Sandwich. That and reinforcing that. And a cover scene at half time. (laughs) (laughs) That and reinforcing that Joseph Renew actually does make babies cry. That is now confirmed. That's on tape. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like uh, it, it was it, again. It was a game that happened. Really, uh, it was behind the paywall, so nobody watched it. But they did hear about it afterwards because uh, West Ham took a late lead, and ninety first minute, I think, and then Fulham yeah. had a chance to equalise it. But then, look, man, mm. no Panenkis in future. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Abielski <laughs> saving that Paneka, that was brilliant. I mean, Luckman hit that with such a tame, like, with so little velocity yeah. that uh, Fabianski was able to actually go to his right, stop, and mm. then just reach back. Oh, it was so bad. Swipe it with his left. as oh, it's just fucking brilliant. It's definitely yeah, the worst penalty funny. I've seen in a long time. Like, the, uh, the, the Perez on me one is bad. Uh, no, my favourite penalty, like t- a terrible penalty, was I was playing in a match, and this is in CAA, mm. and I'm usually the penalty taker, but it was the captain's birthday, and okay. we were well up in the game anyway. It wasn't a crucial penalty, but it was such a cynical foul by the keeper, and I know the keeper. I'm friends with the keeper. She played on another team that I played on, um, so I was. she knew which way I would go in the penalty. She knew my penalties too well. So I was like, look, it's your birthday, captain, take the penalty. And um, she was like, oh, I've never taken one before, but sure, well, give it a bash. It's going to go well. (laughs) And she she air kicked it, but not completely air kicked so that she had a chance to kick it again. Her studs rolled off. Her studs rolled off. (laughs) And I stopped at the ball and it rolled. No joke. Five meters. <laughs> Didn't That's even... outstanding. But the keeper was 
laughing so much the keeper dropped to her knee. So if anyone had of had any sort of cop on and switch on, we could have run in and just hit it on the like the rebound. Yeah, that's but, it. Like, <laughs> but we all just dropped dead laughing. Um, <laughs> so much that the referee was like, "Someone's gonna have to kick the ball. Can we move it on?" And the keeper got up and got it. But like, <laughs> the best, the best goal. Um, sorry, the bet not goal. The best, best worst, worst penalty, penalty yeah. I've ever seen, and I don't think even that terrible Luckman penalty, like Penenka attempt, would um mm. would even come close to it. So like that's the bar set for terrible yes. penalties, and Luckman is a five on that scale. <laughs> that's do you know what I think he'd take that. Given the choice, I think he'd be okay with that. Like, at least you didn't air kick it, lad, right? That's the main thing. That is the, the prominent the choice, thing there. I think he'd rather just go back and whack it with a blindfold on because <laughs> it, it's terrible. Like, it, yeah. that's just, that's sheer awfulness. Like, just a cheat to yeah. even try it in the 98th minute. Like, do you have to be some cocky prick to think that's going like, to work? To draw the game, like, you know, yeah. this is literally the last kick of the game. Like, if you tried that and they were, like, 5-1 up, people would be like, ah, oh, okay, then don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but now people are like, we need this to salvage a point that we desperately don't deserve. What? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine just Scott Parker just putting his arm around going, it's all right, son, it's all right. And then his arm just slowly starts turning into a rear naked choke. It's, like, it's okay, son. It's all right. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> like, it's all right. It's all, it's all right. It's all right. Get him on the fucking plane back to Germany. I don't care. Get him on the first plague ship back. <laughs> put it, fuck it. Just put him in a crate. Just just go. Just out. Uh, anyway. So, yes, that was the one, the, the talking point from that match. But again, West Ham, I guess, back on form, I guess. What is form in this Premier League lately? Um, so, yeah. Um, one of the form sides do are, are indeed Southampton, um, who has uh, finished Friday night top of the league. Yeah, like, what is, the fuck? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Your reaction is absolutely right there. Daddy- that's the first time that's ever happened to them. Um, and that's with Daddy Ings out injured as well, isn't it? So, yes. like... And Granted, all down here from, it was like, against Newcastle. All downhill from here. Yeah, <laughs> this was against Newcastle. Let's be fair here, like, um, but no, I actually watched this game. Southampton played really well. I have to say, like, um, last year, if with if Ings got this injury, they would have fallen to pieces. But because Che Adams has kind of bedded in quite well, um, that's always helped. Obviously, helped matters. But I think the real, actually, the difference maker, and you guys are going to love hearing this, is Walcott. He was really good in this game. He really, really was. Yeah, no, he, he was. Better. And he was playing kind of through the centre, wasn't he? Um, a bit more yeah. so. He like so having a weird, and they kind of have this four for two like layout. It seems it's it's quite simple, but they press a lot in it. So it's like it, it always doesn't look like, like so straightforward, but it is by and large a, a, a two men up front. So if Adams is kind of like being the kind of staying goal side, then Walcott's kind of doing the running around, and it's normally like the other way around. So it's like Ings would be the poacher, and Adams floats about. So Walcott was really great in that role. Um, probably deserved a goal by himself, to be honest. Like, he had a good few chances and didn't really take them. Although Darlow was on decent form himself, so can't take it from that. And then, like, this re- really daft fucking foul that should have been a penalty. But VAR just went, what? No, offside? What? What? <laughs> foul? What? Oh, no, I was watching them. Great British Bake Off. Yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry. Well, is he all right? Grant, cool. 
completely ridiculous again. But they 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 kind of reasoned with like, well, Lascelles got some of the ball. It's like yes, but he also took Walcott's shin. There's a there's a bit of a difference there, lads, for fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, but again, like it's it's good for Southampton. Like they've been really decent, like at the start of the season, and it's kind of odd because they're normally slow starters. It's kind of refreshing to see. Um, so yeah, somebody pointed out that this time last year they were in the relegation zone with a goal difference minus seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now they're top of the league with sixteen points. So well done them. Yeah. It just goes to show you, losing 9-0 in a game really does wonders to our team. It really, really does. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like a makeover, you know? It's, it's great. It's a, it's a glam up. Let's hope 3-0 will do it for us. Yeah. You, you might want to go for more of a 7-2, really, going by, going by current uh, yeah. records. 7-2 is more, is more in vogue lately. Um, moving on then, speaking of things in vogue, VAR and how fucking awful it is. Uh, let's talk about Lesser Wolves. <laughs> really poor game, to be honest with you, lads. Uh, really wasn't impressed with this. I was hoping for a bit of a game, but like, as I think me and Neil kind of said at the time, it was a really congested game. Like Everyone was kind of playing the same spot and nobody got, got anywhere. Yeah, well, it was. It was, very, it was like when you watch like, schoolboy football or skill kid football and everybody nobody plays their position they all just run towards the ball so yeah. they all just pile in so it's almost like a rugby scrum um, and that's all it was it was just big piles pile up in the fucking middle mm. um, but Jesus like fuck I think shit I think this is the game that's kind of kind of clicked it into me that Leicester might do it again oh <sighs> Mm. They're just oh. they're steamrollering teams when they need to steamroller them, and they're nicking fucking bastard victories when they need to nick them. Mm. And literally, just ugh. I unfortunately think this season's probably going to be a two horse race between Spurs and Leicester, and I'm only hoping that I get finished off by the coronavirus before that. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, right. There's a lot to unpack there, Neil, I'll be I honest. Can't, I can't. I just can't. I, I really... I was watching this game thinking, oh, fuck, they're going to win this. Because it, it was a contentious-ass penalty. Oh, um, God. Horrendous. Well, funnily enough, right, here, here's, here's the funny thing, right? I think the handball was a penalty, but I think the second penalty that they got um, for who was it, Justin? It was Ike Norrie who got fell, who fell Justin. Yeah, was it? Yeah, I think it was a blatant dive because when you look Mm. at it, like the physics just don't add up because he's actually turned away from the impact zone of the foul and you can just see it the instant he's left the ground he's already screaming for the penalty and I'm going yeah, oh yeah. you fuck right off <laughs> so there's that but I think the I think both handballs were penalties like he people are like oh natural position his hand's in a natural position yeah but he stopped across with his hand yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know fuck like there's loads of there's loads of fouls where you're in a natural position like if you go in for a slide tackle and follow through and clear the man out like naturally you can't stop where you're going physics will dictate that <laughs> if you go in with a bit of force you're going to have to keep on going mm. and 
you know, what you can't turn around to the ref. I can't naturally, you know, stop myself mid-air or mid-slide. Yeah. And the ref's, the ref's not going to go, oh, yeah, you, you know, you're absolutely right. You can't control physics and time. <laughs> no foul. Go for it. Keep playing on, lads. Play on. I, I yeah. feel that's how um, the refs in the FAWSL... Um, they they are like, oh, you are completely, you know, at the mercy of physics. That was not a foul, you know. Mm. That two footed challenge was, you know, was completely legal because there's <laughs> no way gravity could have been stopped there. Um, but yeah, no, uh, and I'll get onto that later. But uh, yes, just on that, yeah, um, that's, that's a taken in the opposite direction, whereby like anything <laughs> short of an actual maiming mm-hmm. is like, well, oh, even, you know. even then, even then. <laughs> To happen, yeah, there's presence for that. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a typif- typification of the, what's your, how's that a bucket ref? He's still breathing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, her leg is still attached. It's fine. It's just pointing <laughs> in the wrong direction. Walk. It's fine. <laughs> she can walk. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I think both of those. I was laughing when Vardy missed his penalty because mm. that's always hilarious. Little rat face cunt. <laughs> yeah, but I had him as my captain in fantasy football, so I was kind of hoping. He's by mm. he's by fantasy football captain as well, and I still hate the prick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's this result and the other the scores result as well, and I'm just sitting there going, "Oh no!" This is going to turn out to be a really bad weekend for Arsenal. Mm. Did we know? Yeah, it's going to turn out to be a really bad season as well for the, everybody because I think that in, in the aftermath of this match I think the best headline I've seen about a Spurs title run was that they've hired Jose and he's a looter uh, in a league now where everybody's had their windows broken yes yeah. <laughs> I'm going fuck but then you look at them yeah. all, they're literally they're the two teams that are just going consistency that's all it is it doesn't mm. matter win it no matter how, just consistently win it. Just fucking lose. There's no point in steamrolling Liverpool 7-2 if you're going to go and lose to Newcastle or whoever the fuck, 3-0. That doesn't help you. Yeah. Just win. 1-0, get the, they scored in the 15th minute and Leicester's, Leicester and Spurs' like, severe diving and ability to just win inc- incomprehensible amounts of penalties. I think this is going to win they're, they're, they're probably going to march on the league purely off the back of being able to hit the deck convincingly. Mm. Yeah. And because you're England captain. Yes. yes. And because they've got England players in England. They both have prominent, formerly prominent England players. Mm. Yep. Is it this this the way thing? Like, I, I kind of like, I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of that. Um, because, like, obviously, we jokingly breezed over the Bromley Spurs game. But, like, what you said was quite right. Was that, like, Spurs just basically like won the game in the last minute in the, in the death rolls of the game. Where either way, like like typically some other teams would have that would have been a nil all draw. Nobody would, would think more of it. But because it was Spurs, they still somehow found a way. They, they contrived a way to win, and that was kind of the way that like Liverpool ended up like at certain points of the season where like you can point to like the Leicester and Brighton games and go like we should, probably shouldn't have won them on the balance of play, but we did, and there were two one wins or the Villa game for example last season. So there was a kind of like weird like habits to, to winning that people got into eventually I don't know I think it's too early in the, in the season to say for sure if that's going to be like continuous you know I think what's actually happening is what like people may have feared for teams in the Europa League that the actual consistency is better than quicker than 
teams that are actually playing once a week. Like you think because like players will be fresher, that should be the other way around. I think it will spin the other way though come to Christmas, where like Spurs, I think, are still in the in the league cup in the Carabao Cup, and I think Leicester are out. So Leicester might be better off here. But the face congestion will kill Spurs eventually. There will be injuries in that squad. And likewise with Leicester, like somebody like somebody like a Vardy or a Madison will will miss out and they'll start struggling. But for the most part, like they are getting their points early in the season, in a sense. Um, and in a way, Leicester are not really doing any different than they did last season, really. Like they're still picking up good wins. Like I think the, the biggest noteworthy one was winning against City. But by and large, they're starting off strong like they did last season. The problem was that they completely went off the boil post-lockdown. Um, so it's up to them to kind of keep momentum going. Because by and large, they should have finished third last season. So I think this is just representative of how good that team is, you know? Um, and perhaps how, how everyone else has dropped off since, you know, like like likes of a, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very much a, a case of it as well, that like the standard of the league is kind of dropping for yeah. everybody because it's, it, it's unpredictable who's going to be fit, who's going to be in isolation, who's going to get injured in a random calf injury or a muscle it. strain because of the weird fixture uh, congestion and then lack of congestion and then congestion again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like um, it's just going to be a topsy turvy season, no matter what way you look at it. But um, that's where I think we're going to see the the, the good uh, man managers. Yes, come out. And that's the thing is, he Brendan is an absolutely brilliant man manager. I will say that about him. It was one of his greatest strengths. Is that tactically he's brilliant and man management he's brilliant. So in a sense, a situation like this really suits him because like he has to find a solution to a problem. And nine times out of ten, he does make a solution out of it. So I can totally believe that Leicester could be a title contender. I don't know just yet if I pin my colours to them though. That's the thing. I think there's still bigger players in the game there. You know, like. Again, we, we've seen Chelsea come good. Like, can we not make that argument for them now? In the same way, like, some Chelsea fans would be saying, like, well, we won three games from the bounce. Surely we're, we're, we're open to conversation. Who knows? Like, it's it's still eight games in. But certainly, like, some games, some teams seem to have their shit together quickly. And perhaps Leicester is one of them. Yeah, but I, th- I think with regards to Chelsea, I mean, for Chelsea to mount a title challenge, Frank Lampard's going to have, have to be far better a manager than we all think and what the evidence mm-hmm. shows him to be. Yes, and I think that's not going to happen. Like, like you just like you said, I think it's going to be the man managers that come to the fore. And the reason why Chelsea have been really good is because they've got an unbelievably cracking assortment of players, but not because mm-hmm. they've got a good manager. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's yeah. because yeah, that's they've fair. bought all the all the good. They've yeah. bought well, not even all the good. Like, I think there are like definitely massive weaknesses in the team, but they did by buying Mendy in. Um, kind of shore up their their biggest kind of flaw. Mm. Um, so yeah, like they aren't going to be absolutely gash because the players that they have aren't gash players in the majority. Um, mm. but the teams that you'll see do well would be the the kind of the well managed teams that may not be in the top six. Like I think we're yeah. going to see like some of the other teams that are kind of where you've got good kind of. I suppose resources in the club to help them get through COVID, but not necessarily a big kind of star-filled team. So, like the likes of, like uh, I'm gonna say Wolves, um, like they still have, like they're not like full of stars, but they've got a good man manager and stuff like that. So, I think they they can do well, even though they did lose. But I think yeah, that if they get their strikers going, they'll be fine. 
Yeah, again, like it, it, it always goes down to that. Like I think like Christmas is gonna be that kind of asset test for teams that do actually have their shit together and having balanced squads. I like when I look at Leicester, I do see a really balanced team, you know, and like this is a team that's still that doesn't really have Madison firing on full cylinders. They've no Ricardo Pereira, who's their fucking biggest outlet last season. So like those two are still kind of like if you as it were waiting to get into the team. Um, and like there's more to come from this, which is which is why I'm so intrigued about the game after after the interlude, which is also against Leicester, you know, for a uh, second versus third in a sense. And like it can yeah. go either way, like because we're we're going to be going in very very depleted um, at the minute. So it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how that goes. Leicester could easily do a number on us, you know. And um, so we'll wait and see on that one. It'll be um, interesting, Master. Yeah, it really really is. Um, again, after all, what happened in the city game and and this and today. It's had a lot of spice to the affair, I have to say. I have to say that. Um, we were talking about Chelsea, and convenient enough, they're next on my list, as we're going to talk about their 4-1 beating of Sheffield United. Before we do start about how Chelsea were wonderful and all this stuff that I'm sure Chelsea fans are waiting for us to get sunk into there, can we just appreciate the backheel finish of David McGoldrick? Just just, just for a minute. Just. I didn't watch this match, but I got the clip of Entropy, oh and I say I watched it about 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. It's a fair and show. And I was like, this guy is only able to do this now that he's been freed of the shackles of the FAI. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say <laughs> that. He's now been, he, the curse has now been lifted. He can now score goals. <laughs> <laughs> it is a curse. It yeah, has to be. There's um, no way around it. If you're an Irish striker, you're... also said something against John Delaney, so John Delaney has now cursed him with a gypsy curse. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just he just bought some gypsies he just he had like a gypsy themed 60th birthday and uh it, uh it went a bit crazy lads i'll be honest you know no one was expecting the ice sculpture to be cursed you know what i mean like with a sure look at, um but yeah like we, we, we were briefly we briefly talking about it about how like chelsea did like seem to have a good bit of form going on but of course like when you look at it who are they facing they're facing burnley um as I said, like uh, Sheffield, teams that are actually quite at low ebbs themselves, and like two regulation wins in the Champions League against Krasnodar and, and Ren. That's a great run. Like that's the best run they've had they've had all season. But they are going to have tough games after the after the interlude as well. So I'll be interested yeah, also, to see. And um, McGoldrick's goal ended five clean sheets in a row as well. That's true. That is very very true. Um, and I, I, again, I'm fascinated to see how that'll, that'll turn out. Uh, the one thing I would say about the Chelsea team is that they look so much happier with Zayek in the team now. You know, when they have an actual, like, dignified playmaker dropping those balls in to... Oh, and to, he absolutely uh, ran it. Oh, my God. Like, they, Sheffield no answer to him. And in fairness, yeah, like, you can see why. And um, just the, the... Excuse me, his delivery was was sublime. It really, really was. Um Again, it's it's a weird thing where I just don't know if that's still Lampard's best team. It, it, every time I look at their team, I'm thinking like, oh fuck, there's so much. There's a better way you can do this, you know. I, like I'm trying to figure out going like, no, if you put him there and then him there and him there and then him in the pocket, this could be so much easier. <laughs> Why are you making this complicated? Don't have Vernon right. What do you want about? Put him in the center. He's six foot and he's very header. Put him in there. It really, <laughs> sometimes that tells it even noisy because I'm thinking like, fuck, even I could do this better. You know, ah, <laughs> uh, but I've seen you air kick a ball and pull your hamstring, so I don't know. That you're... is true. That is very. I, I hang on, hang on. I never said I was gonna be. I never said I was gonna be training the team. I just said I was gonna put the team together. 
Director of football role, okay? Director of football does not need to kick balls, all right? That I can state that as fact. What I found quite funny about this was that um, with the reduced amount of subs allowed on the bench, mm. Chelsea still brought both their backup goalkeepers, which I found really fucking weird. They both Emerson and Caballero. Oh, no. No, no, they didn't. Kepa, no, we? that was a few weeks ago. Oh, that was a few weeks ago. Shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like, see, Keppa, this is a goal. You try and keep the ball out of there. I think I got Azpilicueta's surname mixed up with Arizabalaga's. Ah, Because uh, right. I just okay. call him Dave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just saw the back's name and just said, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, starting with AZ. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's grand. It. Not loads of them. It's not as if they're all over the kip. Fucking Scrabble. But, yeah. um... But yeah, like it, it's a, again, well, what was Sheffield United like? They're they're currently bottom of the league at the moment. I'm um, only a point in the like game. Um, it doesn't do play them. like a bottom of the league team. No, this is it. Like it's, <laughs> I think that's kind of the story of everyone at the bottom of the league at the minute. It's just like, well, some of you people, well, okay, Burnley, fair enough. Bromley, fair enough. Fulham, fair enough. But Sheffield's kind of the outlier here. Like they do, they are playing well. It's just that they're not getting the goals from it, and that's kind. Of, I feel like I fear that's going to be the story of their season. You know, um. Because they're they're putting their eggs in the Brewster basket, and he just he, like after until he just needs to come good. It doesn't matter who against, you know, he just needs to to start scoring. And my kind of main concern is that perhaps he might not, you know, because uh, he has spent stupid money on him, and it, it would be nice for everyone if he comes good on that. Um, I don't know. Maybe now that McGoldrick's back in the squad, maybe that might help out because then he's going to do all the the kind of the the grunt work. So that Brewster could maybe finish up. I don't know. I'm hopeful of that anyway. Um, but yeah, like that's 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 me just hopeful of it more than anything else, really. Um, but yeah, like I hope the Sheffield are fine because because again, the the bulk of the Irish team comes from Sheffield now, so it's in our vested interest to support them. Um, so moving on then to our uh, other four one uh, result from the weekend: Crystal Palace versus Leeds. Um, so lads, who had money on this one? Ended up four one to Palace. Um. No. Um, <laughs> again, I wasn't watching this match. I didn't get to watch too much football this weekend. Um, I actually just had my own football going on. But um, what I, from what I saw, it was it felt like it was Barcelona were wearing Crystal Palace jerseys. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was, like some of the clips I saw, it was like Tikka Taka. I was like, well, like not necessarily Tikka Taka, but it was like, this is good. Mm. What is this? Um. And like Leeds, uh, it was a very fun match from what I saw. Like in the highlight reel, it was just kind of it seemed pretty end to end. Um, could have been four one to either side, to be honest. But um, yeah, mm. that's all I can say is that I did watch. There's like a ten second clip of a load of passes from Crystal Palace, and I was like, "What? <laughs> am I am I drunk?" <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it was down to eight to Eze. He was the um, he was a kind of he was actually playing as a number 10, which Palace don't normally do. Um, because Roy Hodgson kind of likes his belt and braces 442 Brexit ball, you know. But at the same but sometimes that does kind of work. Um but Aze was great. Like he he looks like such a good player. Um and again one of those like really kind of like precocious talents like where sometimes you have a great game and he's unstoppable and then sometimes oh where is he? And can anyone find yeah. him? He's like in the back of a milk carton, you know. 
But in this one, he was just running the show. Like he just had the freedom of the Leeds midfield, which is admittedly happens a lot in Leeds games. <laughs> they they tend to float around a bit. Um, we had to talk about Bamford's offside though, lads. That this one I thought was such utter horseshit again. He calls for the ball to get past to him, and that makes him offside. Him going yeah, well, pass it to me here. Given that they can essentially play the ball now with um, a portion of their arm mm. because they've revised the handball rule. This is the handball rule, yeah. basically. Because because now, because the, the old incarnation of the handball rule was the attacking player under any circumstances touches the ball under any circumstances, mm. regardless, it's immediately a free out. Um, and everybody was kind of okay with that. But then they changed it. So now... Because they can play the ball with a portion of their arm, that means that if that's past the line, they are technically offside because it is a playing yeah. portion of their body. Whereas beforehand, as like, well, there's no point in flagging him offside for his arm because he, if the ball touches his arm, like you know, it's a free out. Like you can't yeah. for any reason, it's a free out. So yeah. <laughs> There that's we go. Awesome. That's, that's the reason why. Alter I, I, you're going to see a lot of clubs uh, bring in like long sleeves to put off the um, yeah. long baggy yeah. sleeves because at the minute they're quite tight around the arm and it's very obvious which is muscle and what's not. Whereas mm. if you bring back you know, like the 2003-2004 baggy yeah. jersey style. <laughs> the um, Dennis Irvins. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to be able to tell where the arm starts and then they're going to get away with it again. So like, that's yeah. just all this is going to bring back. It's going to be All the players are running around like Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the, the least aerodynamic sports kits available. Um, but yeah. yeah. I love I do, to be honest. I do genuinely love the idea of just like basically putting a wind sock on some of the wingers to slow them down, just so because obviously <laughs> the only way to the game is getting too fast now, right? So VAR has to slow everything down. So let's let's put like weight handicaps on the wingers that'll stop them being offside. <laughs> it's just it'll slow them down just that one yard, and then suddenly they're scoring twenty goals a season. It's genius, lads. <laughs> I, I I guarantee you that's like the next evolution of Pulis ball. It's gonna be like. Yes, let's slow down our, our fastest players and then we start winning. That's enough. Yeah, maybe that's the are. reason why, um, you know, that's the reason for the uh, Adama Traore arm grease. It's, you know, it's to kind of blind the VAR guys, <laughs> the shininess. It's like yeah. he just flexes once and then suddenly it's like, oh, my eyes, the goggles are nothing. <laughs> it's so pretty. The very purple has the exact same reaction. Your so <laughs> She literally just stopped what she was doing what just because you mentioned arm grease. I mean, you, you don't camp yeah. very much. Yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants. Exactly. <laughs> Your heart wants to be greased up, woman. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, again, another, like, tonk thing from Leeds. But, again, it's it's this. I think that's going to be the story of Leeds' season, that the scorelines are always going to be distortionary. Like, they don't do one nils. And when they have, okay, fair enough, they've done one one nil this season. But, like, technically speaking, they don't really, it's not their thing. You know, they're either going to win 4-1 or lose 4-1. And it just so happened they didn't this, this time around. Um, so, yeah, like again, they're going to be great entertainers. Um, and I'm kind of glad now pay-per-view football is gone because now, like, they have an excuse to put leads on every single weekend. It's just like, yes, that sounds like a crazy game. Let's do that. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. we get to do bucket cam. <laughs> yes. 
You say that. But, that's uh, an actual Bielsa's main, yeah, Bielsa's main kind of issue with Leeds is that he has to he has to stop them from being too predictable. Because right now people are just like, oh, it's too easy. You just let them attack and smoke them on the counter, yeah. Because they just go nuts. Um, so it's not sustainable what he's doing. Back to back four one losses. You know that that's, that's starting off a kind of a trend that needs to be arrested. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Like it, at some point, like all the chaos of a Leeds team ends up being a pattern, and if the patterns are four-one losses, that's not a good thing. You know, yeah. as I said, you want to, to keep the craziness going as best you can. And um, moving on then to our top three lads, um, starting off with what was the the uh, early kickoff on Saturday, and it was the game against Everton versus Man United, and the tactical genius that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer beating Carlo Ancelotti's Everton. Ole, is that the Do you know what? I've actually I... just. You got sick of Everton now at this stage, to be honest. Like, um, what is Everton? Job. Yeah, I honestly don't know anymore. Like, genuinely, like, you had one job and that was to get Ole sacked, and, and this, this, this is what you give us. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even mind, but they started off quite well. I mean, if they took yeah. the lead, that was it. Like. Um, and then you know, Bruno Fernandez had one of those kind of. Somebody must have turned around to him and went, well, you keep shouting at Slabhead about how he's not a captain. Why don't you go out and show what a captain actually does? And he went, okay, then. <laughs> he took it upon himself and pretty much single-handedly won the fucking game for them. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, even fucking Cavani chipped in with a goal in the 94th minute and fuck me, like, you know? Mm. It, 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 was, it was a weird one because, like, I was watching this game and, like, I don't know if it was just me, but I was really hypersensitive over Pickford, right? Because the way they were kicking off, they kicked off and there was a really low sun on his side of the pitch, right? So naturally, as, as I'm sure as Neil would say, that is a bane to a goalkeeper's existence. But here's the thing. You can get something called a hat that can the um, <laughs> issues that you may have. And no, no, you're just happy to concede two goals because of that, like with the low sun being a contributing factor and not ask for some sort of protection. That's grand, Jordan. You are as stupid as people say you actually are. That's great. It's, it's good to see you confirmed. Um, I couldn't get that. I couldn't understand this. It's like, like surely you're in the goal. You can tell that the sun is going to be low. You know, oh, anyway. And then he clears out Maguire as well, which is just gas. Like, it's, this is literally the, the second time he's done this this season, where he's trying to clear out a, a player, and VAR doesn't notice it because it's offside. For the love of fuck, people, notice the foul. The foul yeah. is the problem, not the offside. The thing is that, like, <laughs> he, he did all he could to try and get to that matter free kick and wound up dropping it at Maguire's feet. Yeah. And then as Maguire knees the ball over the bar, I wouldn't even mind, but yeah, Maguire missed. But as mm. Maguire knees the ball over the bar, Pickford decides to kick him in his chest. <laughs> and it was insufficient contact for the penalty. Oh, my God. Uh Fucking nuts. Although, in all fairness, like Maguire is not exactly a saint because his clearing out of uh, Digne mm. was uh, that was that, that was something else. That was a proper cultural. <laughs> it's like he was trying to put the player into Rosehead and anything else. Yeah. Like, get the fuck. But, um, but obviously, Man United needed that win because that brings them up to 14th in the league uh, because they were in danger of slipping into the relegation battle. Um, but like, 
like what what do you think of like United's season so far, lads? Like it's it's been as like inconsistent as like the the club itself, really. Um, like oh, okay, granted, you're you're saying there's teething problems. They have a game in hand, and again, a game, a, a win in that game would like bring them up to more or less ninth, let's say. So it is just the nature of the league as well. But having many United down on fourteenth isn't a good look, regardless. Like if you were United, would you be looking over your shoulder, or would you be giving Solskjaer more time? Well, like we said before, I think he's going to get his time. He's going to get as much time as he can until he properly fucks it up, mm. which, you know, he's not doing. Like, we've, we've said before that he's, he, Ole is Manchester United's worst enemy and that he, 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 they'll never go forward with him at the wheel. But he'll yeah. always do just enough never really to get sacked. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's crazy. The amount of Manchester United fans on Twitter saying, "Oh, I hope Everton tonk us," because that might get only so weird. And I'm so going like, first weird. off, I I was with them on the Everton tonking them, but then I realized I should have realized I should have realized, <laughs> realized that you were just you were you were banking on Everton, and that's just never, just <laughs> never a good thing to do. Like, no, it's not. Like it's not even Carlo Ancelotti can fix that. Like it's just you can't, one of those... of, you can't get rid of the Everton. No. out of Everton, they just can't. no, no. They just they can't they can't keep that winning streak going. They have to Everton it up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and they went out to an absolute dire Manchester United team. Yeah, it's a pity. And like again, like it, I think like form wise, that is like they more or less have like. Um, I think they're on par actually with Sheffield United we're having the worst form table in this like section of the league from interlow to interlow like they've only picked up one point out of the last four games which is horrendous form like that's again like, as I said like that's Sheffield that's Burnley form that's relegation like bound in a sense uh, it's only a good thing that they started off the season so well that they're actually still seventh you know but uh, again that shows you how fucked up the league is at the minute but um, yeah, but yeah like, it's Again, it's another one where like like everything could kick back up again after this next interlull because like suddenly oh we forgot we remember the football now yes Richardson that's what we did I remember now it all it all seems clear and um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, next up then is what many people kind of consider the main event of the weekend and indeed has been the main event for most seasons. Uh, Manchester City versus Liverpool. Uh, this one ended in a one-all draw. Um, did you guys watch this match? Did you enjoy it? If you did. Uh, I did not watch it, um, but I have like that. I did watch highlights, um, yeah. and like it just seemed like it all was happening in the first half, and in the second half, both teams were kind of like, I don't know. It's like they got distracted by the fact international duty was coming up, and they just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, mm. you know, I, I just feel like it was a bit of a snore fest in the second half. Mm. Uh, the highlight reel I watched was four minutes long and, you know, three minutes were the first half. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. And then I was like, wait, there's only a minute left. Nothing happened in the second half. All right, Seen okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scene missing end of, <laughs> end of the match clock eating That's his it. players. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold went off injured. He did. He pulled his calf. So he's out for yeah. the month. Which I will say, it's impeccable timing on Trent's sake because he doesn't have to do any international games. So good man himself. <laughs> um, who would, like, who would he have been up against? Uh, Matt Doherty, <laughs> Tyrus Christie. 
To be fair, um, I was focusing on the on the Iceland game. That seemed like more of a challenge at the moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Denmark. But um, but yeah, much to that point, like uh, it was completely crazy in the first half. Like um, because we were talking before the on, on the previous podcast about how Liverpool will line out, and we were thinking we, we had kind of boiled the conversation down to a Jota or Firmino conversation, but Klopp just went, "Why not both?" and basically field fielded four strikers, four forwards in a um, delightfully agricultural team that you'd see in the fucking 60s, you know. Um, but the bizarre thing is that this actually kind of worked for the first half an hour. Like, the whole system was essentially use your fullbacks as, like, um, quarterbacks and lump the ball forward to your front four, who had basically picked a marker from each of the, the city's defensive line and basically tried to beat him for pace. And for the most part, it did work. Like, Kyle Walker was a raw bundle of nerves since minute one because he was on Mane duty. Uh, Jota was trying to torment Laporte, which was working a little bit. Uh, and then Salah was on um, Cancelo duty, which was great because he bombs forward all the time. So there was so much space there. Um, yeah, exactly, we could have yeah. easily had them dead to right. Yeah, yeah, Jota got the, with the Laporte. He, he got the bum deal there. He's like, what? He's the really good defender. You can fuck off. <laughs> Give him Firmino. Let me swap. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ghastly. But in a sense, like we could have had this game won in the in the first 20, 25 minutes. Because even the commentators are going, like, where's City? Like, and and again, even I was saying that's like this city team has not shown up. Like it's so bizarre. Um and then Walker gave away the penalty because Manny did a, a brilliant turn in the in the box and just like caught call Walker cold, scored the penalty, and we're thinking, oh wait, like this is the this is the start of it now. We'll we'll start building this up then. But then, like about twenty after weathering the storm a bit, when we kind of eased off a little bit from our pressure, City kind of came back in then and, and equalised. Um, through some really good play, admittedly, um, from Jesus and De Bruyne. Um, but it was mostly was... De Bruyne. Yeah. I think it was De Bruyne did yeah. a sort of uh, did, did a similar to what Fernandez did in the last in, what we were talking about in the Manchester United game. You were kind of looking around him, going, "Okay, like." these guys are all fucking idiots <laughs> yeah if I'll i do don't yourself. do something we're losing this and then he pretty much he just marshaled that city team back into it yeah and uh and then obviously the penalty happened which is the gomez handball admittedly that is a handball compared to the killman one i think with it with the killman one it's a bit more discreet but gomez's arm, arm is out like you can't he blocked the cross so that i was i was okay with that um but I was also very okay with De Bruyne missing it. So uh, two thumbs up there, lads. Thanks very much. Secret Liverpool fan, Kevin De Bruyne, by the way. <laughs> uh, no coincidence, by the way. He is actually a Liverpool fan. Um, but uh, it's funny how that works. But uh, yeah, like, it, it just it just kind of fizzled out after that then. I think I think the game really like lost its momentum when Trent went off. And partially because like he was our main like like outlet for, for balls. Like the whole plan was to lump it forward from the from that line. Um but ultimately, like the reason the way he went down was not because of like an in, like he wasn't challenged, he wasn't like running, he just pulled up. Like his calf just went, Nope, nope, that's too much football. We're done. We are fucking leaving. And yeah, pretty much. And like, yeah, that's that's kind of checking out with like some of these teams. And I think like legit, I think there was like a, a genuine agreement between Pep and Klopp to just leave it at, at a draw. Because I think both of them are looking at the same situation here. Like it's it's a kind of like survival instinct now. It's like if either of us have a chance of contending for the title come Christmas, we need to stop this game now. <laughs> we need to start going into like fucking rationing mode and start hibernating. Because like like let's face like again we'll get onto it. But Gomez then uh, snapped his knee then in the fucking in England training. 
So now we're down has to there, one. Has there been any update on that actually? Because the last it time I'd heard it was a tendon. It's yeah, a tendon. It's been, it's yes. been reattached. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. So the, the, the positive there is that it's not ACL, which is great. Really fucking great news. Uh, it is a tendon. It's been reattached. Uh, they didn't say specify like whereabouts was it, but basically, again, it, it's one of those this bizarre injuries where like nothing really. It was an innocuous thing. He just jumped for the ball, and then and the tendon said, "No, we're not. We're not. We're leaving. You're, you're going to hospital." <laughs> you know. I, so it's, I have genuinely never heard of a tendon happening like that. It's yeah. usually some sort of contact thing. I've only like. I, I just be like, oh, I wonder what has been done up in the run. Like, was the muscle mm-hmm. really tight? Yeah. And that just kind of overextended it or something like that. Like, did that cause it? Or maybe um, landed badly, you know? No, apparently, yeah, no. Sure. I, I was, I, according to the, there was an article by Quivo O'Neill on The Athletic, um, who's one of the new Liverpool writers, and she kind of got the scoop on it. According to her report, basically, um, it was literally just from him jumping for the header. It wasn't even like from the land. It was the jump that like caused the injury. And um, because immediately as he jumped, he was like wincing in pain. So he immediately felt it. And like, like this is like, like if you're anyone from the England country going like, what the fuck happened here? Like, was it a turf? What did you get like a stud stuck or anything? Or was it just from the jump? And they can only really diagnose it as that. Like for me, that, that's just a symptom of the fact that like, the fixer congestion and the players and all that. And let's face it, Gomez has been used in every game in that stint, you know, from uh, from the start of the season to the international duty to, to, to back to Liverpool. He's probably played what, like most, like 99% of those games. He may have been rested for an England game, but by and large, he's been used for the whole lot. And basically he's broken down. That's what's happened. Um, same yeah. with Trent, you know? And it's, it's, it's really upsetting because like, obviously that's, it's really bad for our season. I think we will probably still be okay because we're getting players back in now. But it's just it's horrendous timing again. Um, but we're we're Premier League champions. We'll get on with it. But we have to. <laughs> no choice in the matter. Um, but it's just going. It's that's it's going to be that kind of season. Like there's going to be players from all teams that's going to have like really bizarre stress injuries like that, and they're just going to have to get on with it. It could be anybody. It could be a Salah. It could be a Bamiyang. Could be a De Bruyne or Werner. Anybody. You know, like no one's safe from this. It's like the, the the virus itself. You know, it's so it's so weird. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of defined the second half. It's like, lads, we're, we're not having any of our players going off injured either. Let's just call it quits. And I think that's what happened. It was like a protest. You know. Yeah, I, I very it very much got the sense that if you offered both teams, it was like right one nil, we call it now. One yeah. all, sorry, we call it now. Uh, you'd be talking to like 22 dust figures on the pitch, like in a yeah. cartoon. And so just, where is he called? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh he's called. Okay, cool. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'll just call it here. Yeah, it, it, it was bizarre. And again, it, it's a pity because the match was 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 really a, f- a fun watch. But as I said, it was just wasn't sustainable. And perhaps is that is this them trying to tell like the league going like we're not doing this full season. Give us the subs. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's weird. Um, oh, moving on then. To, there. Yeah, that, 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 ain't, that ain't happening because Burnley don't have enough players, apparently. God love them. Um, here, here's the thing. Buy some players. Jump gun. Um, they need money for that. They're getting taken over by Egyptians. They have money. Maybe. But they I don't will. Know. <laughs> They'll have to compete with the likes of Sunderland, who just got bought out. Yes. Yes, they have. And of course, Derby, Dodgy County, we mentioned last week, still in process. 
Can't wait for Wayne Rooney to be director of football, manager, and captain of the team. It's going to go. It's going to be great. Um, let's move on then to our main event, which you lads are not going to enjoy. Um, Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three. Lads, what did that match happen? I don't know. I don't remember that at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. No. Man. Okay. 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 Right. I'm going to jump in here first of all and say. Arsenal women played Man United at the weekend and I was really looking forward to that match because it was going to be a really good match of like Casey Stoney's Man United team putting it up against Joe Montemurro's free-flowing Arsenal team who are like put like ridiculous amount of goals in this season Mm. and it was a dire performance where it looked like the team were fighting among themselves on the pitch as in like there was no communication there was just no work ethic um, so then uh, I was like, look, I can only be cheered up by this next match. Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Sure, like, what are Villa at? They've done nothing since they bet Liverpool 7-2. They'll just be riding on that for the rest of the, their careers. And then I watched that match and it got so bad, I decided to do extra homework. <laughs> I did extra work for school rather than watch the rest of that game. It was horrendous. Um, I had an angry nap afterwards. Um, and like that, very similar to what I was seeing with the women's team, the communication wasn't there, but as well as that, the work ethic wasn't there. Yeah. It, it looked like there was 11 players on that pitch who didn't want to be there. Mm. And whether that's something that had gone on um, off the pitch and they were kind of still reeling from it, whether it was just Aston Villa came out and just all guns firing and they weren't prepared for it, but I don't understand how that could happen because we all know what Aston Villa play like. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. It's, it's kind of one of those shock results. And it is a shock, not necessarily, like, I know Arsenal can lose because, you know, we've become accustomed to that. Mm. But to lose in the manner that which, like, in which we did was just kind of um, disheartening. Like, it mm. wasn't even, like, you're not angry about it. It's just like, well, I wasn't angry about it. I was just kind of upset. I was like, why would they do this? Like what, what, you know, you know, if I was, you know, confronting them on the pitch, I wouldn't be like, oh, you fucking wanker. I wouldn't be like that as they're walking up the pitch. I'd be like, why you do this to me? What, mm. wh- why? You're disappointing me. I feel like <laughs> that might get through them. But no, I don't know. It was just a really weird performance. I don't understand. I just mm. don't understand it. Like yeah. maybe as an outsider can kind of see it. Whereas I was just seeing like, Shit passes, our toothless forwards. Hmm. Midfield is kind of, I know, midfield is completely where it's all stemming from. It's this inability to get the ball forward. Um, I I don't know. I don't know, like, what to do. It was some of the worst football I've seen for us in quite a while. But I think... The third goal is kind of the exemplar of how of the team's attitude because it stemmed directly from an attack of our that broke down. Yeah. Uh, and then literally you just see everybody like the ball gets 
dinked around a bit and then we lose it. It goes to Martinez. And then literally all the Arsenal players just turn around and just start kind of jogging back. To, like, jogging back. Like, they've just, we've just conceded. Like, so this yeah. is like, because they scored our two goals like three minutes apart. So they've scored. We immediately attack go for it the ball winds up bobbling to their goalkeeper and then all the players just go heads down and turn around they're jogging back lazily jogging back like Martinez practically gets an assist he gets the ball to Grealish and Grealish runs about 40 yards now Grealish isn't the quickest on the ball he's not fast Mm. he runs about 40 yards without a single tackle being put in yeah you're just going like I know fuck this I know Party's injured not on the pitch uh but fucking hell, like, come on. He's not the only person who can tackle in our midfield. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it, was, it was terrible. Like, we really need to get our shot count up. There, there's too much of just waiting for, like, the absolute perfect goalie locks moment before t- pulling the trigger. It was like, if, you, if you're um, a forward... It's like the, the old adage of Arsenal just want to walk it into the net. Yeah, we look um, like literally trying to do that. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't even got to that. It's like, you know, at this stage, the adage would be Arsenal are trying to pass the ball into the last third. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Arsenal, just want to pass the ball into the corners. <laughs> it, it's, no, it was, it was actually, it was, it was quite terrible. And I wouldn't even mind, but like, we got the shits put right up us in the first 45 seconds. Yeah. Uh, with like the Villa offside goal. And it was yeah. just going like, lads, did that know he's up? Like, no. If that was me on the pitch, like I'd be like, cut the fuck on, let's, you know, like yeah. I wouldn't, I, I don't understand. I actually, it is just baffling to me how that wouldn't switch a team on. Mm. And the way I Arteta, see it, I, you know, people want to trust in Arteta and trust in, yeah. like, he's made a couple of peculiar decisions, and I feel like I do call him out when he does. But I tend mm. to like a style of managing. I like the style. The fact that we don't ship Mustafi S goals every week because Mustafi's not playing um, is good. Um, yeah. And we have shored up our defence quite a bit with Arteta coming in. But the same, I think he's so focused on shoring up that defence that he's kind of neglected the attacking aspect of the team. Yeah. Um, which is kind of bizarre because him as a player, he did the dirty defensive work, but also he was a fucking phenomenal ball carrier to get the ball forward. Mm. And it's like I, like I actually like wouldn't be surprised if one of these days we weren't out in our next match and we started <laughs> passing the ball fucking around in the field. He strips off and throws <laughs> on a jersey. Yeah, uh, it's like I am the captain now. Fuck off, Shaka. And then yeah, um, yeah, uh, he could still do a job. He still looks fit enough to do it. To be fair. Yeah, it still looks like he's fair, good enough, Nick. Mm. But it's it's terrible. Like Pepe needs to start starting. Um, yeah. I don't William, know what. Why yeah, is William, he getting into the team? Like, William, I'm getting a faint, heavy Mkhitaryan whiff off of William. Mm. Um, and my Christ, like we need to start starting Maitland Niles. Like, the, there's no chance he's looking. There's no chance he's looking at. Uh, his decision to stay at Arsenal with any kind of like happiness yeah. I guarantee he's sitting there so like first off like Lacazette is completely devoid of any ounce of confidence he needs to go for Enketia William needs to go for Pepe Maitland-Niles needs to come on mm. 
Um, like one of the things um, we have two phenomenal crossers of the ball in Bellerin and Tierney, and they've got Lacazette, who has never ever been an aerial threat in his career. Hmm. It really makes me miss Giroud. Apart like, from all I, of the other I, reasons. Apart from all of the <laughs> other reasons, I, I miss Giroud. But honest to God, like, he is tailor-made to be a centre-forward in that position because I think he would do really well as Lacazette cannot hold up the ball. Mm. Like, the ball gets passed to him and he will fuck up the pass. The ball is fired at him and he'll fa- fail to control it. And you're kind of like, oh, fair enough, the ball is fired at you, you know, it's very hard to control a ball at that pace. And then you look at fucking oh, stupid head at Leeds has a ball fired at him, and he's able to take one touch and control it. Like if fucking fluffy head Bamford can take a touch like that, what the fuck is wrong with Lacazette? Mm. Um, but I think we got used to Giroud um, as a as a, a striker who necessarily wasn't the most technically gifted um, on the pitch. Uh, but he um, could hold up play and he could set like the really speedy players like a Saka or an Aubameyang mm. or a fucking Pepe. Giroud could play all of them in, no bother. Lacazette doesn't have that ability. And I, for one, would... Can we get Giroud back? Like, I would start that petition right now. It's I, weird. you know, I'm willing to break COVID regulations and fly to London to... <laughs> Get on my knees and um, sorry, just, beg yes, him just, to join leave it there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get sued. No, it, it's funny. It's funny you should talk about it because I, I I was kind of mirror about the mirror your point there about how this Arteta team seems to be re, it seems to actively be forgetting about attacking, and it's weird. I think there is a clash there because the Arteta philosophy is obviously to to have this kind of like solid core defense, and that will potentially allow you the 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 base then to attack. But the, here's the thing, like, when I look at that Arsenal team, and I, I, re, I, I said it last week, it struck me during the Man United game, this team really doesn't suit that ultra-defensive viewpoint. It really, really doesn't. If you look at the squad and you look at how they play out and how they want to play, like, I, I, in my team, if, again, I, I said this about the Chelsea team, like, I can look at it and thinking, oh, I, I do this differently. With the Arsenal team, I would not have a Bamiyang tracking back. I really, really wouldn't. That's not the best use of him. He is your he is your primary goal scorer. Have him do that. You don't see Jamie Vardy tracking back for Leicester. And that's the reason why he's got eight goals this season. Same with Hyungmin's son. Everyone's got their roles in those teams. If you have your uh, left winger, if you have your main striker tracking back and, and stuffing balls out for corners, do you know why that is? It's because you don't trust your defenders to do it by themselves. You know? Okay, granted, teams are going to overload your flanks and you're going to need midfield cover. So that's Arteta acknowledging that the midfield can't do that either. So if anything, this really ridiculously pragmatic approach is proving Arteta that he doesn't have the confidence, again, in my opinion, that the defence and the midfield can look after themselves. So they have to get in more numbers to do that. And naturally, Aubameyang has taken that quite well, which is great because it's great to have players buy into that philosophy. But the downside is that he's out of position when it comes to attacks and he can't get there in time. Likewise, you, you mentioned about Lacazette there, who is trying to be this sort of like McGoldrick slash Firmino role of holding the play up, playing other people in for someone like a Saka or a Bellerin to, to run onto the ball. The problem with that is he can't, he doesn't have that first touch. He is a poacher. He is a natural 
like an Anelka type striker, as I call him. He's there. He's always in the box. He'll put the ball away if it gets to him. And he's a really good natural finisher. The problem is he's not given the chance to finish. He's been told to link the play up and play other people in. It's like, no, these yeah. are the wrong players for this. Like, yeah. what are you doing? If you're if if you have a team like this, okay, granted, this is super. Like playing these tactics is granted. You're playing a fucking Stoke when you don't have the the talent necessary to do this. That's great if you if, if your strikers are fucking like Peter Crouch and Cameron Jerome, fucking go for it. Like let tell them to link up play and hold the play up because that's 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 what they'll do. They'll do that. But if you have players like Abamian, Pepe, Inketia, Saka, who's their main threat is is like pace, is being able to drop the shoulder and run past a fullback. Let them do that. Stop having them fucking defending. It's ludicrous to me. Like, I'm looking at this and thinking, like, was Emery any worse? Really? Like, when you look at it, like, okay, Emery, the back door was constantly open in the defence. And that's, like, that's... That, yeah, that <laughs> is literally the only thing that's saving us. That's the only thing that we are able to get that odd goal in the, like, uh, in the, like, the Manchester United match. We, like, yeah. we didn't create too many chances, but we were like, you know, even saying that we were the better team there and we deserved to win that, but it was only the one goal. It was the one chance and we took it. And it was a penalty. Um, That's fair. And it was a penalty. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, it is the, I, I think had that been Emery playing at the, at Old Trafford last week, it would have been 3-0 to United at that yes. stage. But I still, I would have felt that an empty team would beat Villa no problem because it was that punch, counter punch malarkey. It would have been 3 3, it would have been 4 3, whatever it was. But I still think a team that was allowed to express themselves would win that game. Because as we've seen with Aston Villa games since the 7 2, yes, like the the 7, if you wanted to compare the two, two, two games, the Liverpool game was a capitulation. It was a team lose, collectively losing their heads and saying, fuck this, I'm not arsed. And the Aston Villa team going, let's fucking get them. Come on, let's fucking get them. And with this one, this isn't the capitulation. This is a team not fucking arsed to do the tactics because either they feel that it's not suit doesn't suit them or they know it doesn't suit them, right? You have a midfield who can't who can't maraud forwards. You have a defense who are so like locked into what they're doing. You've got your back three, you've got your wing backs, and they can't really move. They're too rigid. And even then, with that back five, you're gonna have a Bamiang track back. So you have a back yeah. six then when you're in defending. Nonsense. It's nonsense. Like we slagged off. What team did we slag off for having the Garrett Southgate team for England? Like we slagged them off for having so many defensive players. But like, are Arsenal any different? Having like the two holding midfielders, then the back three, and then the wing backs, and then having Harry Kane doing everything. It's the same thing. So when you have eight centre backs on the books, you need to use them somehow, Jonathan. So like, uh... well, that's, that was your that was your first problem, right? <laughs> Sell them. We're all injured. I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Put them for scrap heap then. Just put them in the fucking garbage truck or something, honestly. Like, you're not going to get the benefit out of it. But even then, like, it's just, it, it, it is just a series of, of big problems. And I think, like, I, I would like to I think... I am going to come into this problems. when we're talking about our cards, because um, mm-hmm. this is tying into this, where there is yeah. some sort of, um, I'm going to say, a dysfunction rather than malaise. Yeah, yes, the, that's what it is. The, it's like the puzzle piece is not fitting together. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, like someone's got scissors to try and cut the shape into fitting into the jigsaw, and uh, now they've just ruined two puzzle pieces. That's it. Um, Homer, you've ruined a perfectly good coat. Correction, I've ruined two perfectly good coats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, and I, like I said, I'm going to get talking about that when we do our That's podcast. fair. That's fair. So, yeah. uh, with that Premier League rundown done, uh, let me take you through, because we have an intro coming in, I'll tell you about how VAR Wars is going. Um, 
I had to cast your mind back to match day six. There were three incidents to talk about. Uh, a point was given to Sheffield United. Yes, two in a row, shockingly. Um, they were given a penalty after uh, Fabinho's fell. Remember, that was kind of on the, the line of the box with Berge. Um, that yeah. was very approved, so they got a point for that. Uh, two points given away, though. Uh, actually, mainly was in the Liverpool game. Uh, Salah's goal was ruled out by VAR for offside, which is fair enough. And then Fulham uh, got Abu Kar Kamara sent off uh, after VAR looked at the uh, fellow on Riederwald and said it's a sending off, not a yellow card. Referee agreed and the deed sent him off. So uh, minus one to Fulham. Then two very busy match days, lads, I'll be honest. <laughs> match day seven, the only point given was to uh, Brighton. That was the uh, VAR check on... Um, on Solly March from Hoiberg prior to the Lante goal, the VAR deemed it to be a foul and the referee uh, basically uh, disallowed the, uh, the goal from that. So that was a point to, to Brighton. Uh, and then minus ones across the board. Actually, no, sorry. Leicester gained a point. Uh, that was a uh, VAR-approved penalty after uh, Klitsch fell Madison. That's going to become a theme of the next few weeks for Leicester, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, then points giveth away. Uh, Crystal Palace who did so well at the start of the season and now are not because Milivojevic got sent off after VAR reviewed his challenge on uh, Pedro Neto. Um, Jota's goal for Liverpool was ruled out uh, by VAR after uh, Manny felled uh, Fabianski. Um, then moved on then to uh, Southampton, who got a Che Adams goal ruled out for offside. And then a point for Spurs um, as Kane was awarded that penalty despite pushing Adam Lallana. That was the one we were giving out about last week and was complete bollocks and still is bollocks. And uh, just in case anyone's still keeping track of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was cunt. Indeed. Indeed. Well, your words, not mine. <laughs> um, I'm happy <laughs> for you to take that bullet. Um, so points given then this week, again, another one for Leicester. Uh, that was the uh, Kilman handball in the penalty box. And then similarly, the other point given was the uh, City uh, penalty after Gomez handballed in the box as well. Fulham did actually get a point as well. That was the penalty that, that, failed miserably and that was very approved after they swatted the foul on Kearney in the box and so that was a good one for them and then points taken away Villa that was the uh, McGinn goal offside that we alluded to in the Arsenal game and then uh, Patrick Bamford um, got a goal ruled out for Leeds after he was basically calling for the shot (laughs) so Again, it's, it's neatly poised in VAR Wars at the minute. We've still got two leaders, that being uh, Man City and uh, now joining the party. Uh, oh, sorry, Everton's still there. But Leicester's starting to creep up now on them as well. Uh, Liverpool now stand as our losers for VAR Wars. They're on minus three, um, which is what they ended up the season last time out. So they're already at a massive deficit or winning VAR Wars. I don't know. Yeah. I, we never really decided if the minus score is the winner there. Um, either way. Um, I'll also <laughs> take this time to talk to you about the P45 crew because we've had some developments. We've had two seconds in League Two, which I'll briefly go over. Mansfield Town have sacked their manager, Graham Coughlin. I think he's, I think he's Irish. I think he's an Irish uh, manager. Um, he uh, basically, they haven't won a game all season. And uh, his last game in charge was a loss to Barrow. So Barrow get a point there. Oh. Um, okay. Tramier Rovers, perennial favourites. Yeah, good, good man Barrow. Um, Tremor Rovers, perennial favourites of the P45 crew, sacked their manager. Um, he was only in there for three months. Um, they, and the reason was that they've only got nine points out of ten League Two games after being relegated to League Two. So not great. Uh, ah. And, and more can get the point for that one. And then just recently was Gary Monk, who, uh, who I was given about to after the podcast, seems to get sacked every year from a championship post. This yeah. is... Remember, he would he took over from uh, he was a Swansea guy initially because yeah. he was Swansea captain, took the job, got sacked the next year, right? 
That's happened yeah. every year since he's left Swansea. <laughs> Just like the gypsy woman said. Okay, it's, it's weird. Like, why do you keep hiring a man who like loses his job every year? Like, he's not Alan Pardew. What are you doing? You know, there's only so many parties to go around. Um. Anyway, he was sacked as Sheffield Wednesday manager after about 14 months of charge, which I think is actually his longest reign at a at a at a club. Um. And yeah, he started with like a 12 point deduction. They got half, but they are still bottom of the championship regardless. And their last game in charge was a goalless draw against Millwall. So uh, we have currently five contenders for the crew at the moment, which is Bristol, Tranmere, Barrow, Morecambe, and Millwall. Um, so yeah, that's that's how it stands at the moment. Before we get into our hand of cod, though, Burkbots, I'll hand the reins over to you because it's time for our uh, union allocated women's talk. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I briefly mentioned, um, Arsenal uh, lost at the weekend to. Casey Stoney's Manchester United team. We were shit. <laughs> oh, hi, Neil. Um, um, the, I, uh, we, all right, yes. Oh, just to kind of give a quick rundown of what's happening yeah. in the, in the league. Um, we've got Chelsea. We're uh, we weren't shit for a while and then mm. we decided to be shit all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, we've got Viv the goat um she has reached a milestone 52 goals in 50 games in the league um which you know is some fucking stuff all right it's decent it's decent um we've got caitlin ford who is starting to actually like up the tempo in games she's gotten six goals and five assists in her last like five games um so all of these stats are looking towards like we're doing really well. Um, mm. The other thing is injuries. Injuries are kind of like you can't have Arsenal women without having half your squad injured. And yeah. Joe Montemurro is really kind of wrecking my head with this because he likes, um, quote unquote, having a small, versatile squad. And I'm all for being a versatile footballer. But the small part of the squad is what is hampering us because we've got such injury-prone players kim little is world class but she is also made of glass um, mm. i fear we may have lost her mm-hmm. yeah i think so there the top of our there we go continue on Burkle. so you don't like me talking so you kick me out of the zoom call <laughs> you actually went ran over time of the women's talk i'm afraid it's only three minutes this month <laughs> By the way, that's not us doing that. That's Zoom. That's Zoom, yeah. Yeah, just like be fair. Hard-coded. <laughs> hard-coded into it. It's like too much women's football. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Arsenal were sitting top of the league um, after five games. And then this current game week, we've now dropped to second. Mm. Uh, with Chelsea behind us, two points behind us, but with a game in hand. Um, so... Um, yeah, but just kind of go through, I suppose Arsenal are kind of, like I said, we've got some high profile injuries and a lot of high profile injuries. Like it, we have our third keeper um, has played in the last few matches because he's trying to rest our first team keeper and our second choice keeper has not been fit since we bought her. Yeah. Um, we've got Steph Cath, so that's Liddy Williams, hasn't been fit. Steph Catley played, started in her first match against PSG 
and got injured within 10 minutes and has not been back since. So that was back in the summer. Mm. Uh, Katie McCabe is now, despite being told she was going to be moved up the pitch to play as a winger again, um, she is now just the left back. Um, we have Jen Beatty out injured with a kind of reoccurring back injury. We've got um, Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little in midfield. Jill Ruard is just coming back from a calf injury uh, that she picked up on international duty. Lisa Evans, like I'm literally, there's so many. Lisa Evans has done her calf. Uh, Leonie Meyer has just come back from injury because Noel Moritz, she's been rushed back from injury because Noel Moritz on the right wing uh, did her calf. Um, like it is just mind-bogglingly bad how much in- injuries we have. And I was about to ask there: Is there actually any players in the Arsenal that's actually fit, or is it just Medima on I, her own? I honest, I honestly don't know how. A well, Viv kind of keeps herself uninjured through not running very much in the game. Uh, Smart. Smart. <laughs> she's kind of doing the Berbatov. Yeah, I was about like, to say um, Berbatov did that to a fucking great deal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, like she does drop back a good bit, and she does get involved kind of more than Berbatov would have. But um, yeah, no, she just has a remarkable kind of fitness streak. But uh, I don't understand how Katie McCabe is still going. Um, but you know, I am not complaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is. It's uh frustrating that we have, we still have the squad depth in terms of like. Any some anyone who comes into the team is going to be good, mm. um, but they just played shit at the weekend. Which that win from Casey Stoney's United team actually puts them top of the league. I was about to say this because I was actually taking the back at how close the um, how actually, actually how close this league is. I know, granted, it's only six match days in, but yeah. like we kind of like I phrased I framed this league to be a three horse race, but now you're kind of looking at like United and Everton potentially entering this conversation. Ever- but- Everton's like buyings over the summer, like the getting in Govan was some yeah, fucking that's a big deal. Like that's that was, deal. and she like they played in the the FA Cup final there against City last week, and she, oh, she was so good. Like she was almost the difference in that match. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, as we as the men do, have just bought all the players, and yeah. all of the players are starting to click. So uh, we are up against Chelsea this weekend, and I oh, am no. not looking forward to it. What <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing is um, Megan Campbell has just tweeted that she has first completed her first full weeks back in training since mm. her horrible. Um, foot and ankle surgery last year um so uh yeah manchester city are one that uh they've obviously gotten the big names in they got rose lavelle sam mewis lucy mm. bronze alex greenwood and everyone was saying oh, oh chloe kelly they bought in the summer as well they're yeah. like oh these are gonna be like really pushing chelsea to win it and they have played like dog shit uh yeah but the fact that they've got the good players has has kind of kept them going, but like like that, it was the star quality keeping them going rather than good play. And um, mm. their coach, uh, is it Garrett Taylor, is that his name? Um, Garrett like, Taylor, he's yeah. Kind of, yeah, Garrett Taylor. He, I don't know, his tactics are a bit weird. And um, he makes mm. like he put a left back at centre back and dropped the centre back to the bench because the left back deserved to her place on the pitch. And it's like, okay. how bad is that centre back? <laughs> 
<laughs> to get you know to be you know kicked off out of her position by someone outside of her position um yeah uh next on the table we've got reading uh reading they're kind of doing a reading they are playing really good football but then kind of also being too ambitious in the game and kind of getting taken out of it by the bigger teams uh but yeah. they did hold man city to a one-all draw sam Lewis got this like had to break down um the defense with a like a kind of a, a brilliant effort from her but uh yeah reading are good they have bought danielle carter and mm. emma mitchell two of my faves at arsenal so i'm always going to look to see how they're doing and um, their keeper yeah. grace Moni should be the ireland number one um yeah, I, I really like Reading. I don't know if they're going to push further than six where they are now. Just looking at who's above them, it's quite it's quite a strong yeah. pack. Um, I think they're quite suited to being where they are. In but all seven, things considered, though, like they are beating the likes of a Brighton and West Ham teams, which were well, and Spurs actually. Let's yeah. talk into that category as well. Like teams who have invested quite a bit into their women's squads, and Reading, like as much as the men's team is, like kind of on a bit of a knife edge financially. So to be able to to wrangle up a decent team and to kind of secure a, a solid like sixth place finish is quite good for that team, you know, and um, because especially like when you do look at the rest of the like clubs in that league, they're much bigger. Like there's there's bigger cannons out there if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more to come, obviously, from the championship too. So like in a way, yeah, them hold. They brought Trish Fishlock back from the NWSL as well. So mm-hmm. um like that's a big a big deal for them. So yeah, no, yeah. like I I wish them well, um, is what I'll say there. Um but what the the surprise of the of the league, um, this is actually shocking, is Birmingham City are not bottom. Birmingham <laughs> City are were so disorganized coming into the league that they at the last minute made Harriet Scott um mm-hmm. Uh, the captain like literally with five days to go before the league started they're like oh yeah we need to announce the captain oh yeah yeah um harriet you're available for photo shoots yeah okay up you go um and they have played well now i'm not gonna say um like they have four losses to their to their name but they have not been big losses they have um they've been entertaining they've been hard to beat and mm. they've been industrial, I suppose would be the word. Yes. Um, and they lost heavily in the transfer market. Like all of their best players last season left, apart from Harriet Scott, which I think is just kind of why she got asked to be captain. Harriet, you're still here. Shit. Do you want to be captain? Sure. Sure. I guess. <laughs> um, Brighton, Hove Albion then, um, West Ham, Aston Villa, Tottenham and Bristol, just to finish off the oh, league there. Um, Brighton... I want Denise O'Sullivan to win all of the things. Uh, mm. Denise O'Sullivan to Arsenal. Uh, again, that's another petition. Would be a I'm really willing good fit. to. Really great fit, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um. Well, like, I, there's not much to say about Brighton. How Albion, like they play good football and then just are just so defensively weak. Yeah. Um. West Ham are topsy turvy. They are just all over the place. You do not know which West Ham is going to show up. Mm. Is it going to be the West Ham? Um. That you know can eke out a draw with Man City or is it going to be the West Ham that loses 9-1 to Arsenal yeah who knows um, Aston Villa got their first win of newly promoted Aston Villa um, got uh, their first win at the weekend against Brighton which is kind of a bit of a shock mm. uh, Tottenham Hotspur oh, sorry not Tottenham Hotspur um, Alex Morgan's Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> <laughs> um, 
um, ha- have been doing, you know, typical Spurs things of not doing much. Yeah. Um, like the most famous thing about them and the most important thing about them is Alex Morgan's daughter, Charlie, is the smiliest baby ever. Um, <laughs> and I'm only I'm saying here. that now. Aaron, hear you say that. Aaron is not on screen. Uh, <laughs> um, and then bringing up the rear and very much favourites go down with a yeah. negative 26 goal difference. Uh, Bristol City. I, I mentioned before we started the um, the recording of the podcast but that uh, Sophie Bagley is the goalkeeper for Bristol and mm. she has a very bad reputation of being a bad goalkeeper. But I defy anyone to come up against the amount of shots that she has to deal with and keep them all out. Like she would have to be Octo Mom in terms of yeah. having eight different arms to be able to keep the balls out of the net. She is just, um, yeah, no, she does her best. And I just, it's people in front of her letting her down. That's not to say, I think of the 9-0 against Chelsea that I watched. The first mm-hmm. goal that, they, that Chelsea scored was an own goal from Bagley. And it was because she wrong-footed herself and it was a bad, bad, bad error. And I was going, oh, that's a bad error. You know, like she's, you know... She conceded eight more after that, but she also made, I think, 17 point blank saves and full stretch, like 17 (laughs) unbelievable saves, but then also conceded eight goals. So, uh, yeah, no, um, just to to talk about your man, Greg, from the FA there, just give him a shout out uh, that women don't mind being, you know, hitting the face with a ball that's been hit hard. They actually, <laughs> some of them are quite good at it. You should look at Sandy McIver at Everton, yes. uh, who is playing for your own fucking national team, you prick. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, and I, like I think actually the goalkeepers in the league are some of the best I've seen. Like Ellie Roebuck plays for Man City. Again, rival team. Don't really want to be praising her, but Jesus Christ, she's a great keeper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, my... I have a pretty gloomy outlook for the week for our, uh, for Arsenal uh, versus Chelsea. I judging unless everyone is sunshine and rainbows and all of that, you know, in, imagined infighting was just imagined. Um, mm. I can't see it anything other than being a possible four or five nil drubbing. I can see it going the same way it did last season, where Chelsea just completely outclass you, like Montemoro yeah. overcooks it. Chelsea just uh, go. But- belt and braces just lump it forward and score like like the thing was like last year they put like Louise Quinn kind of uh, they kind of left her to deal with Sam Kerr who's great in the air yeah um, and like Louise Quinn is also great in the air but Sam Kerr has that extra bit of faith and Louise Quinn got lambasted and pretty much lost her place on the team and then moved to Fiorentina uh, based, I think based on that match but I don't think that like that was her being Playing the tactics that were wrong. Yeah. No, like that's um, it. She's fail. If she's on, if she's marking like Sam Kerr, one of the best players in the world, and critically one of the fastest in in, in her field. Like, and you have, and again, you're Louise Quinn, who like height wise, sure you got her sussed, but that's not the issue. <laughs> she's per Mertesacker. She's the female per Mertesacker. Yeah. Fantastic positionally, but not great on speed. And no. she'll say that herself. I'd say. No, I think she'd agree with that. And in fairness, she'd probably take it as a compliment, in fairness, given the arsenal in her. But, uh, but yeah, well, I no, suppose like, um, maybe, yeah, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Women's Championship here as well, because it's, it's yeah, quite yeah. 
it's quite a frantic race at, at the start as well. It's again, it's still early doors, like much like the the WSL. But we're kind of on. I'll I'll, I'll be fair here. It's kind of a five horse race for the for promotion at the minute. Because um, like Durham are, are leading the minute by uh, just a point because they're the only team that's actually been gone the season unbeaten so far. But she- but we have like a scaggle of clubs with there, which would be Sheffield, Liverpool, and Leicester. Um, obviously, you know a lot about Leicester. They they pumped in a lot of money into the women's team. They want to get going on that. And Sheffield, to their credit, have have have, a, have a, amassed a quite a good team themselves. Kind of like picking scraps off like different WSL teams as themselves. Yeah. Um, and then Liverpool obviously recovering from the from the shambles of last year, and then you got Lewis, who are like objectively a good team, but perhaps like slightly hard done by with the position they have in the table. But really, like you're looking at it, and like th- the fascinating thing about it is that like those three teams I've mentioned have all taken points off each other. You know, like Leicester have beaten Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool have beaten Sheffield, and Sheffield have beaten Leicester. Like it's 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 fascinating the way it's it's lined up, and the three very similar teams on paper as well. Like they're they're objectively quite good. Although you probably say on paper Liverpool have slightly better in attack, um, especially with Babajibe and Furness up there, just can't like really doing bits. Like Babajibe yeah. was brilliant against Sheffield, for instance. Um, so you think like they should have the edge that way. Um, but like I said, like, there's still a lot of players in those two teams that you say like, oh yeah, they're match winners, you know? And then Durham are just like slowly, just quietly under the radar, like putting games yeah. away too. So it, it's funny. It's, it, it's an interesting uh, table at the moment. And kind of like, as you said earlier, in previous podcasts, it's not a foregone conclusion that Liverpool will get will get back into WSL. It could very well be a Leicester or a Durham that get there. You know, it could be anybody in yeah. the top five. So yeah, um, I I I do like how Emil Hiskey is um, uh, on board at the Leicester City. Yeah, yes. um, I've got a couple of <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I. It, the championship I don't follow it as much as I would follow the WSL but obviously yeah, yeah. Liverpool are in it you're keeping an eye on it so but actually on that uh, some of those um, championship teams um, they would have some part-time players and they wouldn't mm-hmm. be considered elite so they have to be told to be considered elite by the FA yeah. and their new rules and again the FA hate women uh, gets but the, but the curious thing yeah, is, you see, Liverpool it. are the only professional team in that league. So technically speaking, those players are protected from that. So in a sense, like you would think, now again, this is like very dangerous thing to say because we could fuck this up royally. But technically speaking, we don't need to have any like unavailable players because we are paying, we, like they are full-time players. So in a sense, like we should should not be affected by that, whereas some teams could be like, I think yeah. they're professional, aren't they? Or they're, yeah, they're 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 yeah, so like so it'd be between Los and Leicester, and I think I, I want to say Durham is, is professional as well, right? Um I know whoever's up front there, I know are like like leaning towards a professional team, but the ones like the likes of your Coventries and Blackburns are not. So like they're like the, the actual cl- golf is gonna be quite severe going into like further into the lockdown. Um but like at least you're not you're not kind of seeing drummings like you would with the Bristol and, and West Ham, I suppose, at the minute. Um but that could be just a different uh Golf and quality as well, and um, so yeah. Um, will we shall we talk about our Ireland's women's chances? Because um, the last time we no, talked about it no, was a because there are result. none. Let's yes. move on. Yeah, because we like to to be fair, like we do have a game against Germany, but we'd have to beat them to qualify, and I don't think that's really happening, is it? Realistically, no. Like the only thing we can, and I'm not saying we're hoping for, 
is mm. that you know the only thing that could possibly go in our favor is that all of the ter- German team get COVID. <laughs> well, and again, I'm not wishing that on them. No, but, no, you no, know, it would help us greatly. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, think, uh, I don't, I yeah. don't see us getting excited about it, and I think we should move on. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's like a, a ten thousand to one chance. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, let's move on then uh, to our final segment, which is the hand yes. of God. So um, you mentioned a, a fellow there from the FA called Greg. Oh, hi Neil. <laughs> nice of you to pop back in there. Um, would you like to talk to us about Mister FA Chairman of Sound Mind and Body, Greg Dyke, who has some very <laughs> fascinating opinions? Well. All of the title you've just given him is pretty much wrong now. He's no longer the FA chairman. And after his remarks, I very much doubt he's of sound mind. Um, <laughs> and given that he looks like somebody with a face like a rucksack full of dented bells, I very much doubt he is of sound body either. Ooh, no, that's quite right. <laughs> so yeah, Greg Clark um, brings to an end one of the more chaotic uh, FA chairman uh, stints, which is quite saying something. Is I'm like, the, these fuckers come in and go out like Roman emperors. Yes, uh, you know, like <laughs> they frame the same fucking out. So mm. I think it's best just to kind of take a brief little start at the start. Let's so let's take the first knife and see what happens. Yeah. So he after he so he took over in 2016 and then sacked sacked Sam Allardyce after a game. That's grand. Then a little under a year into the job, he tried to sell, um, oh no, little under a year into the job, he described uh, institutional racism in football as fluff. Uh, that was off the back of the Enoi Aloku claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, then less than a year after that, he tried to sell Wembley Stadium to the guy who owns Fulham. Um, yes, I remember that. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. He tried to sell it to uh, Saeed Khan, Saeed yes. Khan. Jesus Christ, and he... We could, have had, we could have had AW and Wembley. Yeah, Fucking exactly, dollars. yeah. Oh. So now, right, so that's just basically, that's just the taster. That's just the mise en scene for the, the, the a, shit the that had to go. So yeah, so he, he laid low for about two years until he really came up with the, the fucking doozy, the one, two, three punch that finally got him sacked. Well, it started off, he eased in a bit with Project Big Picture, as we all know, which is Project Give Us All the Fucking Cash, You Fucking Cunts. Uh-huh. Um, by claiming that he only participated in the early stages of uh, Project Big Picture, he just kind of just went, look, I just gave a bit of advisory subtext to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they released all the papers on it, only to realize that he, in fact, initiated the process, invited all the participants, was involved in every single meeting, and the development of the plans, and he was also involved in resurrecting them in the September as well. Oh my good God. He also made the tea <laughs> of the meetings. because we could, we could probably nail him for that too. Probably nail him for that as well. Um, then he tries to... Yeah. He then claims that uh, he tried to launch a diversity code for black, Asian and minority ethnic uh, mm. managers and then claimed that it didn't go through because the Premier League and the EFL blocked plans. 
and was then had to step down on that about a day later when it turned out that the EFL and the Premier League had actually agreed to review those plans and they were all on board with it and had absolutely yeah. no idea what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> 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 and then it just leads us to his brilliant, brilliant address to members of parliament in Britain where he referred to uh, black, Asian and minority ethnic footballers as coloured be aware the year is 2020 yes um insisted that the reason why there's not a lot more asians playing football is because they all go into it uh (laughs) oh my good god absolutely said that hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on oh yeah yeah sorry exactly this is their direct quote asian and minority ethnic people and he suggested that they have different career interests, which leads South Asian people to choose careers in IT over sport. He then referred to gay players coming out as a life choice. Um, <laughs> again, ignoring the women's it's game. Not, which it's is... not the peer pressure of social media or the <laughs> yeah, stigma exactly, based yeah. around gay football. It's, no, it's definitely, uh, no. definitely their personal choice. Exactly. Um, Fucking prick. Yeah, so he, he obviously totally ignoring the women's game as well, which is quite a number of high profile out players mm-hmm. um, and yeah oh yeah and then shared an anecdote about the, the uh, lack of female goalkeepers is because uh, yep girls don't like the balls being kicked at them Yes, I actually said that this is the chairman of the FA right the football association at a parliamentary meeting saying oh women don't like footballs being kicked at them which is why there's no good female goalkeepers which by the way like all of that is untrue like e- even if there was no if even even if there wasn't any really good female goalkeepers that would yeah. still be untrue what he said like there's yes. no way of cutting that cake where he is not completely and 100% in the fucking wrong that that would nearly drive me to bring a football Ball around with me constantly and the, for the remote chance that I would bump into him and I would kick the ball at him really hard and see how much he likes it mm. yeah absolutely uh, he then compounded it as well with his apology which and I quote if I said it I deeply apologise for it <laughs> I don't remember I, I, I was drunk at the time if I, said I was it, off I deep... my face on crack cocaine. I'm I was sorry. Said it. <laughs> In all I, I, I had huffed a huge well. amount of crack. <laughs> I may have been slow, sniffing a line off of prostitute tires. I can't remember what I said about women's football. All right. I'm just in case <laughs> I was only just able to get the bitch out of the room before the football <laughs> started. Um, I'm right. yeah. He's, of course, I sell his appointment as well, isn't he? Yes, it he, is. Yes. Yes. Well, you see, that's the nail in the fucking coffin, isn't it? Because, um, like, he was a big proponent of this England DNA horseshit that they keep, like, bringing up. Like, we want to play the English way, the, the British, beautiful British, Brexit, British, British, Tory, bastard, British, strawberries and cream, British. It's like, what? What? Playing 10 fucking centre backs? Yeah, that's real fucking British, that is. Terry Butcher spinning in his fucking grave. Like, honestly. Oh. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're. You're fair on that point. Like, um, he's had a week. He really has had a week, hasn't he? Like, out of all well, the people in the world. Yeah, but like speaking of like Brexit and fucking banging tables on the Brexit. That's right. Yes. Fucking, uh, what a segue oh. to your card, Jonathan. I'm telling you, lads, it's almost it was written in the stars, lads. Right. So, <laughs> if there's any British um listeners to this, hello, good evening. Fuck have off. A <laughs> no, no, don't fuck off. We could do the viewership. 
I, I want to have a no, genuine. Not, not Scottish people, because we like them. Yeah, we like Scots. We, we like Scots yeah, and, yeah. and moderately the Welsh. Um, Only but, the people from Oyster, the voting municipal of Oysterhead. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to say for the record here, right? If you are British and you're listening to this, I want to have a very candid conversation about Remembrance Day and poppy season in particular. So my cut is not about Remembrance Day itself as a concept. I, it's, it's okay. I don't, I, I don't mind it. But what I really do hate, and it's like, and it's really come to the fore in the last few years, is this uh, fetish that they have about it, right? About the poppies and about this whole, like, we have to be the, look, every football club seems to now have to show their, like, appreciation for a horrific event that happened 100 years ago. And if we had any other sense, we wouldn't have it happen again. Um, despite the best efforts of a lot of world leaders who really fancy a scrap at the moment. Um, but the thing about it is that, like, I try to look into this whole thing about the whole Remembrance Day and, and what it represents. And obviously, it goes without saying, it's, it's to, it's to um, basically uh, pay tribute to all the people who died during the first two world wars. And that's a totally respectable thing to do and to, to pay on, homage to. The problem with it is that you can't you're not letting yourselves forget about it by doing like a full month lead up to poppy day and then like having these massive fucking murals and like tribute jerseys and fucking customized adidas gazelles that you can get that are poppy colored this is too far yes yes this is a thing you can buy these right but here's the problem the problem with it is that um, obviously, Remembrance Day itself is like is something that's brought up by the the British forces as a as a as a day of tribute, as a day of remembrance. But the thing is that like that's not how the Premier League is treating it. If anything, like it's to make you remember the army as a concept, as to say like, oh yeah, oh see you, unemployed man who was uh, putting a fiver on this match for between Stoke and West Brom. You could join the army and earn a lot more money. See, look look at how we we'd remember you. You get your puppy. You can do a war if you want to. You might Join the end army, up. Yeah. Join the army. Get your fucking head blown off. <laughs> That's what it is. It's purely that. It, it feels to me like sometimes it's an incentive. It's like to say, like, look at how much we're paying tribute to our troops. You can be one of those troops if you want to, because, like, I'm sure army recruitment is looking at their numbers and going, like, oh, we could do it a lot more. Um, foot soldiers. Let's see if we can get some more by getting some guppy fucking football fans to sign up. You know. That's one angle of it. The second angle of it is as well, like we know, we, we know about World War One and Two. We, we, we read about it in history classes. We know what happened. And the fact about it is that like, it's such a nationalistic viewpoint. And I like, I fucking hate nationalism as a, as a concept. Um, I, I, we say, nationalism. Yeah, it's, but it's, it, this, but this is the problem. Like this is it down to the nth degree where you have like, you have all these poppy reads and you have this Remembrance Day stuff and about like how football has to pay tribute. Like why? Why does the Premier League have to pay tribute to it? The Premier League has like the lowest percentage of domestic players in the world. And that's not even, and that like you compare that to with the likes of fucking like Baltic states who are still trying to decide if they're Serbian or Montenegrin or like Croatian and Albanian and Kosovan. These are all players all have an identity crisis themselves and their league still like know what they are. But like... <laughs> English players themselves are like golden geese in the Premier League. They're like put on pedestals because they're so fucking rare. And you still want to bring in this like British like nonsense rhetoric of like, we have to remember the troops. We have to remember that time we won the wars. It was like, cool, do it in your own time. Leave football out of it. 
and here's the why. Here's the hypocrisy of it: is that they are happy to do this nonsense about the poppy stuff and say, "Oh, we're just doing it to remember the troops." Oh, but doing like kneeling for Black Lives Matter. Okay, we'll have to twist around to do that, you know. So yeah. it's granted to make one political statement about one thing, but one about racial inequality. Ooh, ooh, people might misinterpret that, you know. So like, it's ooh, it, it, rainbow it's, bands for the captain. No, thank you. We don't want yeah, anyone thinking anything right? of us. Well, as we all know, gay soldiers don't exist. You know, they're all straight white men who are happy to kill off Hitler themselves. You know, it's 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 bollocks. It's complete nonsense, and. It just really annoyed me this year for some reason because I don't know if, if it's just me being more sensitive about it or are they actively getting worse with the murals and the tributes and the whole, like, we must remember them. Oh, it's, it's because like, you're stuck at home and you're forced to watch. You're watching it all. You've nothing else to do. It could I be mean, that. Normally, I'd have just gone be. out and not given a fuck. Like, it's, it's, it's genuinely... It, I think it's also the you're way it makes people... Pull James McLean on it, to be fair. Yeah, you see, I wanted to bring this up as well, right? Because I saw um, a lot of like English fans and Northern Irish fans, for that matter, wanted James McLean to play against Ireland so that he could get cleaned out, basically, for not wearing a poppy. So, lads, the friendlies happened after Remembrance Day. You don't have to wear poppies after that, you fucking melons. <laughs> this is the thing. The whole idea of Remembrance Day is you can wear a poppy all year round. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no rule saying you must wear this from Halloween to the 11th of November, which is technically like when Remembrance Week is. You can wear it all year round. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a symbol of your appreciation. But now it, the, the sentiment is that, oh, we must wear it for these two weeks. And you, we must make sure that you wear it or else you're not honoring the troops. It's like you've completely missed the point. And football is missing the point by doing all these like murals and tributes. And having, having Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola carrying out poppy wreaths, a German and a Spaniard going like, oh, yes, you did lose the war, didn't you? Yes, you must remember the troops that your people killed. It's like, fuck off. Just honestly, fuck off with yeah. it. Like, legit, like, you don't even have an English manager in the league, Bart Sean Dyche, to carry these things out. So you just have to have these all these foreign nationals who were not even around for the war to do this shit. Uh, Frank Lampard is English. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I forgot about Frank Lambert. I don't count him as a manager, to be honest. Um, he's more of a, like a guard. There is actually a good few English managers now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my argument is starting to fall down here. But my point yeah. my point I was standing is that like the, the whole idea of just getting like managers as a whole to like be this kind of like to, yes, we, we will um, make this kind of statement on behalf of the army. It's like, no, no, it doesn't work out. Especially considering that like James McLean gets death threats still to this day because the poppy means something very, very different in Northern Ireland. And Ireland, too, let's be fair here. The fact that Irish players are like more or less forced to wear the poppy is complete nonsense. Um, Serbian players, even. Let, 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 let's take Ireland out of it. Like, like Nemanja Matic doesn't wear a poppy. He doesn't get dogs. Yeah. dogs and what happened was because NATO forces were bombing his towns, a combination of UK and US like troops. He doesn't get any fucking ridicule whatsoever. Everyone just goes, oh, fair enough. That's no problem. We were the bad guys there, you know. Um, but still, Serbian players are forced to wear poppies on their on their shirts. They don't have a say in the matter. They can't, like, say no to it. James McLean is the only person who's actively said no to it. And, again, it's going to be this weird balanced answer, whether you agree with them or not. It's like, it's a personal choice. It's always been a personal choice. You can't force players to do this. You can't force managers to carry out this shit. It's just a state. It's just a political rhetoric statement that you Brits are doing because you've had Tories in charge for twelve years, and this is what you people fucking do. You know, this is all you know now. It's it's tragic. It's like having Thatcher back in in power again. It's ridiculous. 
Oh, and Jesus. I, I'm actually glad I got that off my chest now, you know, because I think I feel yeah. I feel a lot better about it, you know. Um, but to, find, to finish off the card in this, um, Birkbaugh, you have a very interesting choice for your cards. I, I am going for the management structures within Arsenal. Mm. And that goes for both the men's and the women's team. Um, so just with regards to the passing uh, match last week, we've already mentioned, not to spend too much more time on it, but yeah. it kind of, when you lose a match and when you lose a match in the manner, it kind of makes you look um, at what's going on in the background. Well, what caused this? And like I said, I was just disappointed. I don't understand why this would happen. And it just kind of, you know, when you're in a fight with someone and you're just like, you then start picking up on all the other annoying things that aren't even about the fight that, you know, <laughs> have been boiling up and, you know, you know, you've been gathering up as ammo uh, for the last few months. And that's kind of what I feel is happening here with me and Arsenal is that they're um, the buying of Saliba and not using of Saliba, the Ozil shenanigans off the ball the Gwendozi being sent away but not sold the Torreira being sent on loan and not no money being getting out of him just going as Horace yeah like the Raul Sinelli has kind of like everything was kind of been blamed on him and now he's mm-hmm. gone it's like well this is just the remnants of what he has done here um you know you know it won't happen again but it's like will it there's so much mismanagement going on with the squad here that like we've we've mentioned before, like Liverpool can get millions for a player that's never fucking touched the ball. Yet yeah. Arsenal can set, like send Torreira, who is a fantastic little player, and you know, on loan because they can't manage to get him sold. Um so that 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 was kind of eaten away, and I was very much thinking of that as my card for the week because they were just annoying me so much this week. Mm. Um, and then what put the nail in the coffin was uh, listening to a podcast, uh, What the Football podcast with Shavana Hearn. Um, and she, um, yeah, basically was uh, interviewing Emma Mitchell. Um, and she knows her as a personal friend, um, but was interviewing her as um, the podcast series talks to women's footballers. Uh, but doesn't Siobhan is the sister of Rusha Littlejohn from um, oh. the Irish national team. Um, yeah. And she has absolutely no interest in football. But obviously, being R- Rusha's. Um, you kind of uh, have sister, to know that a bit, yeah. <laughs> I think McCabe's sister in law, practically. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, she's kind of gotten brought into the world of women's football. So she hangs around with all of these people who are women's footballers, but knows them as people, doesn't really care. So the questions she asks are quite personal. They're nothing to do with football because if they told her about football, it would go over her head. So it's quite an interesting concept for a a podcast, I suppose. But in the podcast this week, she was talking to Emma Mitchell. And despite me not having my Emma Mitchell translator uh, (laughs) earbuds in, um, I did manage to get most of what was being said. Um, and one of the things she, she she spoke about a few years ago was her mental health struggles, and she was very brave in kind of admitting that. And like she had like this the harrowing story of scoring this absolute worldy goal against Man City, which was the last game of the season, which confirmed Arsenal's win of the of the league, and it's the first league win in years. And she was just crying in the shower afterwards and was unable to leave the shower. She was just so upset. 
And Siobhan was like, well, what? Why? Why were you so, like, did something trigger this? Did something start this? And she's like, oh, yeah, well, my mom had tried to commit suicide. And, and you know, like, I probably didn't deal with it. That. And she's like, <laughs> Siobhan's response was like, yeah, that would probably trigger it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And she was like, and as well as that, like in my personal life, I, I, you know, I was trying to move forward with things, get a house, maybe start a family. And I didn't feel like that was going to be an option for me. And Siobhan kind of picked up on that and kind of pulled that thread and pulled that thread. And eventually, like Emma Mitchell said, at Arsenal, if she had approached the management and said her and her then boyfriend, now fiance, were thinking of starting a family, that would have been the end of her career. She doesn't yeah. feel like she would have gotten any support tr- from the club. And that, she, with her new contract coming up, she, she didn't want to go into contract negotiations with them knowing that she was thinking of starting a family. Yeah, because you know, it's illegal to, to reject a contract based on that. Yeah. Um, it, she felt that that would go against her. And... That made me that made me actually physically sick, um, mm. and she said like at Reading she you know she felt a bit more comfortable that she was negotiating a two year contract and basically she was kind of like look if it happens it happens you know I'm not going to you know yeah. <laughs> I'm playing football I'm playing the best football of my you know recent career uh, I'm not planning on changing that right now but now knowing that I might have the option of that now is a bit more freeing mm-hmm. and I just was like that is heartbreaking now and she said like she, she said herself Arsenal are pushing for Champions League football they want to be fighting at all fronts they want all their squad members obviously available yeah and you do understand that and I totally do get it from a footballing perspective but that's what makes this whole debate of women's footballers and pregnancy such a, a, a debate like in any other form of life, women shouldn't have to debate wanting to start a family, uh, wanting to take time out of work to focus on, you know, birthing a child um, yeah. and nurturing said child um, or dealing with complications of the pregnancy. Because that's another thing that doesn't really get talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, in any other kind of, I suppose, profession, that wouldn't necessarily be like, taboo like it'd be taboo to a point where you maybe don't go telling everyone about it but you don't try and hide the fact that you might be starting a family you know in case your contract is taken off you or yeah, exactly, you know. yeah. um I, yeah no and I just it's like I know Arsenal are trying to push to be you know the top of the country like, but I think that's where they could actually lead the line is by helping mm-hmm. players um you see Alex Morgan six months after giving birth is back playing obviously with Spurs so it's not going to be that good but like lol um, yeah. you know she's still back like oh my god getting back to playing professional sport six months after going through that yeah. trauma fucking fair play to her um, and but that's because she has the money and she has the help from the clubs to get her back to that playing condition. If every player had that then going out for a few months to have a kid isn't going to be a big deal Especially since, you know, so many of our players are out with long-term injuries anyway. It's not going to be any different. That's the same. Um, nothing there. Like we, the amount of money we spend on rehabbing players because of ACLs, pretty much going to be the same for a pregnancy, I'd imagine. So why can't we just afford that? Probably um, far less. Yeah, like, exactly. You have to physio the shit out of a player with an ACL injury. 
mm. you know, somebody who's just coming back from being pregnant. You're just like, meh, you know, I've been sitting on my arse for like seven <laughs> months, you know. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, yeah no, that's my thought, it's just because I just feel that's a bit of a dick move and I just feel like there's a bit of a, an inner chaos going on at Arsenal at the minute that um, I hope is just a disjointed jigsaw piece, but um, I'm, I'm hoping it's not anything more sinister. Yeah, it, it's it's curious that, isn't it? Because like, it, like it's it's like there's two kind of funny conversations there with the with the Emma, Emma Mitchell thing. Obviously, she wants to like make her own family. That's totally understandable. But it's it's at such a, a great impasse with like the notion of being a professional footballer. Like naturally, the male like side of the game does not have this issue. But in a sense, like it really shouldn't be when you look at it. Like like if you're gonna be a women, if you're gonna be like serious about women's football you need to take this stuff into account. Like, if you want to be really anal about it, make risk assessments, you can say, well, they could get pregnant. They could have want to have families. They want to have settled down. They could have to retire. Cool. More Sign more players. Like, get people into the team. Like, that's 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 the problem solved. But the reality is that the clubs don't really want to push for that. They re- they want to be able to say, look at Miedema, everybody. Viva Miedema, you know, and whatever it is. And like, <laughs> don't let's mind just the crying Mitch in the corner. Just look at Viv. Look that was the, the second thing I was going to say. Like that was, I think, with the women's football aspect of it as well. Like because there's such great followings for the likes of an Arsenal team and and like the women's like national teams and so forth, like the US and, and Germany and them. Like it, it stuff like mental health doesn't really enter the conversation because it is all about the fact that like oh they're the women's footballers are having a lovely time. It's like you fucking better hope they do because like they're playing for like substantially less money than the men do. And like, you're not getting the credit for it. They're constantly battered online for just having a cervix as opposed to actually being a footballer. And like, it's, it, it's horrendous the, the treatment they get half the time. And uh, can you know, I, I actually just, since you mentioned cervix, um, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite conversation type. Um, in the Manchester United match, um, <laughs> that means that it needs to the cervix. Be- yeah. Bet Mead got need mid air. So the two players jumped for the ball and Bet Mead right? got need into the cervix. Uh, well, no, got need into the groin, uh, but was winded because that is a, you know, a feature of the female anatomy that doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily get need awful a lot of the time. But, it, you know, it's similar kind of effects to, you know, a man being hit in the balls. Yes, of course. You're going to go down for a few minutes and you're going to... But the commentator was like, oh, I, I see there was a collision there. <laughs> uh, and the replays came in and it was like, oh, that, that seemed an innocuous enough challenge there on Bet Mead. Uh, she's down injured. And then the replay comes out like, oh, yes, that'll get her winded. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sorrow one. But um, um, i yeah, but it, it really yeah. does tap into that wider conversation about mental health and football because, like, okay, with Premier League like players, you'll always have that veil of like, oh, where they're earning stupid amounts of money, they'll make them feel better. Okay, we'll go further down the football pyramid because, like, okay, well, well, where's women's football in the grand scheme of things? Maybe like what League Two, League One, League Two, like wage wise, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those players are like on the cusp of being professional uh, players. Uh, most of them are, in fairness. But then you would like you literally go like from Arsenal to to Bristol. Like Bristol is like semi-professional, really, and those players are still expected to 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 work to that demand to keep going every single week, and they could be losing six or seven nil. Like that, surely that's a mental health issue as well. Like this, and there's tons of that. And again, this whole like the constant pressure of being an elite player, when like again, if you're like Emma Mitchell and you want to do things outside of football, 
like that's an impasse. Like you, you have to pick and choose between the two. They can't like in that sense, you can't have both. And that's already uh, that's that's a conversation that some people should be having involved in women's football. How do you start I, dealing with? I, that? One of the things, and I, I can attest to this, that when you have an ACL injury, you have mm. to go for a psychological review as well. So you've got yes. to get your psychological. Um, that, that and I, I will say during my rehab, that was monitored like quite regularly. Like they did these check-ins yeah. where I'd have to sign in within 24 hours of receiving an email and give them a psych basically update of like how was I feeling how did I feel the strength of my leg was would I be comfortable doing this would I be comfortable doing this and how far do you think you could get without stopping on this and it was purely a psychological kind of thing um and I know I had that not but I I obviously I paid for that service I paid the yeah. you know the, the the top dogs for that um because I wanted to get back to I, if, if you don't have that or if that I think the novelty of that was like, oh my God, look, they're checking up on me. What is this? This is mad. Like they're checking mm. on my brain and my knee is sore. This is like, what? Like if players don't have access to that, um, like that's a huge thing. And if you're constantly injured, like Kim Little must have the mental strength of a fucking chess genius. I don't understand yeah. because like he, like or has got- Danny Carter. Yeah, yes. Danny Carter. Yeah, Come back, yeah. Like just so many injuries and huge injuries, you need to have like a mind like a forest to get through that because they are dark days. The days where you try to stand up and your leg just refuses to listen to you, that's yeah. horrible. And yeah, um, yeah, no, like so yeah, like I'm saying, I, oh, Arsenal, my God, because not supporting the players and the management seem to be fuck ups at the minute. So yeah. on both on both teams, on both counts, yeah. Yep. So I'll go with Arsenal because I totally agree with that. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Right, so I think, Burkwell, you're going to have to be the deciding vote here because I am obliged to go for uh, for Greg Clark. He's, that is like <laughs> fucking the thick of it levels of having a week. Like, that is like, that's Dosak <laughs> levels of shambles-like, honestly. To be a fly in the wall um, parliamentary inquiry, holy shit. <laughs> I... I can't go for Poppy. Well, I, I could go for Poppies, and but Nordy would just be too happy with that. So I'm gonna go with Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is totally fair. In, I, I respect you for that. But yeah, uh, it, it had to be Greg Clark, hadn't it? Like yeah, yeah. like the coddest of cods that's ever codded. Um, can we call him Greg Cod from now on? Yeah. Like, sure. Yes. I don't even know who you're talking about. I just know him as Decod of the FA. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, guys, yes, Neil, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Burtbot, a pleasure as always as well. Let's let's see this home. It's been a, it's been a hell of a, a of a show. And uh, next week, I guess we'll do some for the interlude. Um, oh, do we have to? Well, I mean, there is a certain book that we can talk about um, <gasps> next week. Yeah. Both champagne football. We are Irish football fans. We are obliged to talk about it, about how one man has ruined our lives and our grandchildren's lives, <laughs> for that matter. Because um, yeah. there's going to be quite a lot about that, really. But in, in any ways, um, thank you very much for listening to the Liquid Football podcast as ever. Um, if you enjoyed the show and you want to hear more of it, please follow us on Spotify. Um, you can like and share uh, to your heart's content we give you total permission to do that and we will be back next week then with our thoughts on champagne football which should be fascinating to, to say the least um, yeah, heartbreaking would also be a term I would use 
Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want to keep track of all the film stuff that we're doing outside of podcasts, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Monday Madness LP. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we do uh, playthroughs, we do streams, we do podcasts, we do everything really. Um, so hopefully you enjoy this podcast and you'll be hopefully around for the next one. So for Neil, yeah. for Burke yeah. Potts, and for myself, thank you for listening because that was Liquid Football. Bye.